My name is Jacob Stoops. And I'm Jeff Luella. And you're listening to the Page Two Podcast. This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry. We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. In this week's episode, we talk with Amanda Jordan, Director of Local Search at Locomotive, an award-winning technical SEO agency. We talk about odd jobs before we were SEOs, including ice cream and Amanda's love for gaming, her studies in math, science, philosophy, sociology, and engineering before she got into marketing and SEO. We talk about her early career in SEO and how she found her niche as a local SEO expert and her passion for helping local businesses. Amanda also tells the story of how she crushed her interview at Locomotive and her tips for becoming better known within the industry. We also dive deep into diversity and inclusion within the SEO space and how we can do better. And we react to the news of the December core algorithm update. So get your popcorn ready as we tell Amanda's SEO story and have another candid SEO discussion. Hey everybody, this is Jacob Stoops, uh, Senior SEO Manager at Search Discovery, and we are back for episode 57 of the Page 2 podcast, Uh, and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Jeff Luella, Senior Technical SEO at the Wirecutter (laughs) New York Times Division. How's it going, Jeff? It's going well. Hey, howdy, hey. Hey, howdy, hey. How was Thanksgiving? It was amazing. I fried a turkey for the first time. Didn't mess it up. You didn't burn your house down. No, and (laughs) and it tasted delicious. (laughs) It's funny that the the non-turkey likers in my house tried it and then they ate it. We finished it all that night. So it was great. Yeah, we, uh, uh, our family, so small gatherings, usually it's like large family gatherings. My my wife is Italian, which means like... 30 or 40 people all cram into all cram into the house during holidays. And this year it was just uh, just close, uh, close family uh, in some cases with those that we have not seen regularly masked up following protocols, trying to stay, uh, trying to stay healthy. Uh, One interesting thing that we did for those people out there uh, that love the show friends that remember the Turkey bowl we started an annual tradition uh, with my family and my two neighbors who we've been kind of in the bubble with uh, since quarantine kind of started and, and, and COVID kind of really kick, kicked off in March. Um, we did what's called the Turkey Bowl. So we got together, uh, parents and kids, and played a backyard football game. It was very fun, very muddy, very wholesome. And I can uh, can promise that I only trucked one or two kids. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and I say that jokingly, but I definitely accidentally did truck a seven-year-old. Uh, yeah. He's okay. And, and uh, a seven-year-old girl. So she's okay. Uh, it was just a, a classic situation of wrong place, wrong time. And I tried to, <laughs> as I was... As I was running over her, I tried to lay her down gently so that she didn't get hurt because there was just no avoiding it. Anyways, so we have a very, very special guest today uh, and we'll bring her we'll bring her in. I'm sure you've heard her voice in the background. Uh, Amanda Jordan. Amanda, how's it going? 
It's going great. Thank you for having me. We are very, very excited to um, talk about your background, and we have got a lot of stuff to uh, to talk about today. So, uh, in last season, we regularly, regularly talked about the news, uh, and we kind of did away with that uh, this season because, believe it or not, news doesn't break on a weekly basis in SEO unless yeah. you're really, really, really digging for things. Uh, so it just kind of devolved into me just yelling about things that probably really didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Well, today, I think we've got some stuff to actually talk about and yell about. Okay. So we're going to get into that uh, in the second section. Uh, and before we get into Amanda's background, we've got just a uh, just a couple of uh, a couple of things. So number one, if you haven't heard this podcast before, um, it's still kind of a small niche, uh, but growing audience. Uh, and we're definitely appreciative of everybody that we do have. This podcast is a little bit different. Uh, and it, while it is, uh, it does focus on knowledge sharing. That's not the primary focus. We do talk about our experiences. The uh, Jeff and I have a lot of experience. We've been doing this for a while, seen a little bit of everything. And the guests that uh, we bring on also have a lot of real world SEO experience. And we definitely talk about that. That being said, the reason I started the podcast now almost three years ago was uh, to tell the stories, right? To talk about the people behind the, the SEO to talk about what SEO is, is really like behind the scenes to commiserate a little bit with, uh, with each other and to kind of, uh, to kind of just share, share uh, what it's like kind of on the ground, the trials, the tribulations, the successes, the failures, uh, and to really kind of get into that side of things. So that is what we are going to do today. Uh, the other thing, and I'm really, really glad to have Amanda on because there's probably nobody better to talk about this, uh, is uh, Search Unite, or uh, I'm sorry, I always get it backwards, United Search, United Search. And we've been doing um, a live read for the last couple of weeks, and I want to continue that. So we're going to do that now so that uh, uh, the people listening can get an understanding of what's going on at United Search. So here we go. Are you looking to break into SEO conference speaking, but not sure how? Are you feeling that you are not well represented within the current speaking circuit and want to change that? We at the Page Two Podcast would like to talk, take the opportunity to let users know about United Search, a new organization and first of its kind SEO speaker accelerator dedicated to ending the implicit bias in SEO that keeps BIPOC, LBGTQIA+, and women in the margins of our industry. Their credo, diverse SEO equals better SEO. United Search offers mentoring advice from people with real world practical SEO experiences in order to give students the skills they need to be able to deliver an amazing presentation on any stage and network they need to land gigs, all at no cost to the student. That's, that's huge. Uh, how does it work? Pretty simple. United Search connects a cohort of the best pitches they can source with the top mentors in their subject matter. After working with their mentors to develop their talk, they will host a live stream event where students get to present to SEO experts and receive positive constructive feedback. Graduates of this SEO accelerator will get the benefit of top-notch mentorship, public speaking training, a video reel, lots of positive feedback, as well as a foot in the door to help find and land speaking gigs and access to amazing community of SEO professionals. 
what does this mean for for our podcast? Uh, as a sponsor and advocate, we're committed to regularly showing stats that illustrate our commitment to diversity on this podcast, and we've made a pledge to diversify, meaning that 60% of our guests will come from underrepresented underrepresented groups, including women, BIPOC, BAME, LGBTQIA+, as well as representation for people with disabilities and those who are 55 plus and older. So if this sounds of interest to you, visit unitedsearch.org to learn more about becoming a student or a mentor or visit them on Twitter at, at search underscore united. How'd I do, guys? It's great. great. I'm, that was I'm, a mouthful. Yeah, it was a that was a mouthful. Uh, the first time I did that uh, live read, I think it took literally five minutes to get through it all, and I think I just crushed that in about forty five seconds minus nice. a few trip ups. So, I'm well on my way to a radio career. I'm getting out of the SEO industry. <laughs> all right, just in, just in time for radio's you know comeback, right? Right, I'm going to be leading the comeback. <laughs> so, let's get started. Uh, so, Amanda. Uh, Let's talk about your background and your origin story. Tell our audience who you are. Yeah, sure. So um, from the very beginning, like as a kid, I was interested in um, how things work, taking things apart. I think a lot of us in this industry can relate to that. Um, And having just a general curiosity um, about math and sciences um, and that ended up being a curiosity about philosophy and sociology, sociology too. So, and um, as a um, high school student, I wanted to go into engineering, um, but um, it just didn't end up being exactly what I was looking for. And I kind of switched over to uh, going for a marketing degree. So that's kind of how things went for me from an educational background, but like along the way, I had like the typical high school student jobs <laughs> and college student jobs. Like I was a manager at a marble slab. So um, we make a lot of ice cream from scratch in my household nice. just for funsies. Um, it's something that like I do with my son all the time. He loves it. Love it. Um, yeah. He's like, you know how to make birthday cake ice cream yourself? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, do I have got a, this. I have an ice cream machine on my Christmas list this year, but. Jeff, we'll see if make, that comes in. You make like they're a amazing. I think I got one for Christmas too. One year. What uh, I have to ask, what's your go-to flavor? And ter- like, what is the best flavor that you make? The best flavor that I make. My favorite one that I made was like a cinnamon toast crunch cereal. Oh. Like I made this cereal yeah. milk for a cinnamon toast crunch, and then I used that in my ice cream batter. My kids would love you. That's pretty much their favorite cereal. <laughs> That's amazing. It yeah. There, amazing. And there's nothing, there's nothing quite as good. And I love ice cream, but there's nothing quite as good as somebody's homemade ice cream or, or sherbet, oh, yeah. whatever you, whatever you like. That's awesome. Uh, all right. So w- what other, I guess I have to ask besides working at an ice cream shop, what other odd jobs <laughs> did you have? I know oh. Jeff and I had quite a few. Um. I worked at a KFC when I was in high school. I worked at Sonic. I was one of the people going around on the skates. I, I hated that so much. Um, I feel like that's a great place for every like teenager to start because it will make them never want to work in public service like mm-hmm. ever again. Like put them on skates and put them on a 
on a hilly surface like our, our son was downhill like so, and you're oh, no. it was terrible <laughs> it was terrible but I, I knew that I was destined for more once I had that experience like then never again so um yeah um those are really my most of my odd jobs I just always had a fascination with electronics I think video games are really what got me interested in computers oh, yeah. and things like that in general um I was fortunate enough to have an older brother my brother's eight years older than me so like through him I like started off with like their original Nintendo mm. um I played almost pretty much every console that's come out since then <laughs> yeah I, saw I owned it. or played either like yeah it's insane um but yeah like just problem solving that you learn from playing video games and the interest in figuring out how things work and um, the human part of that too is really interesting to me. And that's why I think engineering wasn't a good fit for me because it misses really the human part of it. And I like the idea that what we're doing um, is to help business owners. Like it's, there's a greater purpose that is more tangible because you talk to the people um, you see the results, you get to call them when you're seeing like, uh, I had a client that had a 91% increase in goal completions <laughs> on, um, in Google Analytics this year. And you get to tell them that and it's more tangible. And I really like that about SEO. That That is the part of SEO that feels um, amazing uh, when mm-hmm. a client implements your strategy and by golly, it works. Uh, imagine that. Yeah. Imagine that. And, and, it, and it, the best part is being able to communicate that to them you followed my advice yeah and it worked awesome yeah i don't get to do that nearly as much as i would as i would like to (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh so original original nintendo and i'm i you've side you've sidetracked me because my son um (laughs) is is uh he's turning into quite the little gamer he's he's seven uh, mm-hmm. And I, I have been trying to introduce him slowly. So I came up in the in the eighties and nineties, of course, original Nintendo, then Super Nintendo, Sega, Atari, mm-hmm. kind of all of the all of the original the original platforms. And uh, as I've gotten older, and as I've had kids, I just no time to play video games, right? And I've, I I love playing video games, but just no time, right? So yeah. Slowly but surely, these last couple of years, I've been reintroducing mm-hmm. it uh, and taking my previous passion for for video gaming um, and transitioning it to to my kids. And with my son, I started him. You can still get a classic Nintendo. Now it's mm-hmm. like it's like this big, but you can still mm-hmm. get it, and it comes preloaded with uh, I don't know, like thirty or forty games, depending on where you get it from. And I always thought like. When, when they're young, and I'm talking like four or five years old, of course, you don't want too much screen time. But if you, if yeah. you introduce them to video games, the buttons on these modern video games are, are so complicated that their little fingers mm-hmm. and their brains, they just, they're just not coordinated enough to do it. But what they are coordinated enough to do is mash the two little buttons on Nintendo. (laughs) And so that's how I started my son. So my son got his start in video gaming about two years ago on Nintendo. And fast forward two years, now he's playing 
playing PlayStation and of course asking for PS4, PS5. He's, like we're we're already starting to get into the really exp- expensive Christmas yeah. gift territory. So I'm also questioning why did I do that to myself? But at yeah. the same time, I kind of, <laughs> I love it because he's advanced. He loves video games uh, and it opens, it, it's opened up a lot of creativity for him. And honestly, yeah. there, there's a little bit of uh, coordination that goes along with um, playing. Oh, video. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, my son is seven, too, and I was, like, I, a huge improvement from one day to the next in his video game abilities. Like, mm-hmm. my husband tried to start him off. Like, he's played Mario Kart and things like mm-hmm. that on my Nintendo Switch, but he hadn't played, like, a game really on, like, with the two joystick controllers and more modern controllers. So he was, um, it kind of, it was hard for him to re- figure out how to turn around and walk and stuff at the same time. And we started him off with this, like, Mario 64, like, ripoff game that we found. And, like, within a day, he was able to, like, figure out how to move around in Halo, like, that quickly. It's like, that's insane. It's like, yeah. it almost, like, justifies the fact that I'm letting you spend so much time playing video games. I'm building the neural pathways in your brain. I'm- <laughs> yeah. That's how I justify it. Like, he's, uh, it's actually building more connections in his brain for now. Until it does the opposite. Um, But for now, it's it's a really helpful thing for him. And it's great. And it's something that we bond with him over. Because my husband and I, we're like huge gamers. We have already gotten the Xbox Series X. Um, We're working on trying to get the PlayStation 5. Oh, both. um, Not either or. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, no. We have two PlayStation 4s (laughs) and two Xbox Ones and a Nintendo (laughs) Switch right now. And two Stadias. Like, we're like hardcore gamers. Wow. (laughs) That is, that's no joke. I'm sure like each one belong. Do you, now do you cross play on, on the different devices? And I guess what I mean by that is like, is one PS4 yours and one your husband's or your son's or something like that, for example? Uh, No, it's just that when there's an exclusive that comes out for her or from Sony, we just want to both be able to play it. So that's okay. how we get to both play it at the same time. All right. It's a it's a good uh, marital bonding activity for nice. us if we can play Spider-Man in separate rooms and then talk <laughs> about our progress afterwards or learn things from each other too. Like, well, because we play games very differently, he's more strategic and stealthy and I'm more of a runner-gunner. Like, I'm, yeah. I don't care about dying i'll die a million times as long as i'm having fun in a game so like i so i will just like straight up run into a fight not even second guessing it so it's interesting to like watch each other play and learn um about these each other's like the gaming style but yeah that's great so so let me bring this back to seo i'm sure the people want to hear all of our gaming takes but i'm gonna bring this back to seo (laughs) so and here's the here's the master segue and why i know that i'm going uh into radio someday have you played, and I believe it's, is it Izzy Smith who created her own SEO video game? Is it, I saw it? that. I haven't played it though. Um, uh, I saw that. Isn't it like kind of based off of the old school like Game Boy? Yeah, type? something like yeah. Zelda or something like that. Yes, which I also love. Pretty fun. I'll try to stay out of the video game territory because I clearly <laughs> yeah. love them. I but think it was Alexa <laughs> Sanders. Or yeah, no, that's who it was. That's okay. that's who it was. Yeah, I got the wrong the wrong person. Uh, yeah, no, that's who it was. That I yeah. I definitely definitely played it, uh, and that's that's my master's my master segue. So let's get back into <laughs> let's get back into, <laughs> into SEO. All right, so you go to college for for marketing, and then you mm-hmm. come out of college and do and do what? 
I got an internship with a company. Um, it was 2011, I want to say. So um, they were just uh, auditing yellow page ads online mm-hmm. to make sure that the information was correct. And that was my very fun job was to <laughs> manually check them all. That's what I almost did like literally every day. That's what I was doing. Um, and then they had a client come on that wanted to do more of a, um, it was actually like a, wasn't GoDaddy, but it was like a, a GoDaddy-like company who mm-hmm. was going to start a division where they built the website and did the SEO for them too. Um, and they asked if I wanted to come on full time to help with that project. They did not know anything about SEO. They just got lucky enough to get that contract. <laughs> so it was like an on-the-job, like learn, hands-on learning experience for me and for the company at the same time. Um, but yeah, um, so that's where, that's kind of where my, like, uh, giant footstep into SEO came about. And I spent a lot of time talking to doc, I was like 21 years old, talking to doctors and dentists and stuff on the phone all day. Um, just trying to f- learn about their business so I could write content about their wow. and, um, yeah, write their content for them and figure out like. Um, oh, yeah, and I did all of the, like, domain registration stuff, setting up their emails and stuff like that, and all of it self-taught. Like, there was no one there that knew how to do those things, so I was just, like, triggering it out as I go along, and I loved that. Like, I had no problem with that at all. I would do that every single day of my life if I could, figuring out a problem for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my favorite thing to do. So um, that's what that's how I knew it was something that I was passionate about. I wasn't sure um, <laughs> getting into it. It was just like, oh, I have a job and I'm going to get make more money if I stay. Sure. Like that's, that was my motivation. Um, and just wanting to learn a new skill because I do just loved learning in general. And then I was lucky enough to find something that I was passionate about very early on. Um, and it, things kind of moved around from there. Um, worked at a few toxic places that <laughs> did not work out which is kind of standard for the SEO industry, especially when you're younger. Yeah. Um, a lot of places that were more like frats than like uh, well-organized uh, companies, um, places where no one knew what they were doing. And it was more like a cash grab to get money out of like these companies and lawyers and other businesses who have a lot of ad spend that they can like ad budget so they can spend on things and just kind of working my way through those companies and them being astonished that I actually could get results versus like, like I understand that they, they were just trying to make money off of people, but uh, that's not what I was there to do. I was there to learn. So that's what I did. And they were astonished when I actually got results. I had a client where I kind of got them to be the number one um, in three separate cities, um, like in the three pack for their service. And they came and bought me two bottles of Dom Perignon in the office. That was like a great, (laughs) extremely rewarding. I kept one of the bottles so that I could like always have like, yes, I've had very expensive champagne. That's right. I I always feel bad for those, for those smaller businesses and, and, and that don't know SEO, right. And they go to these companies that are really there just as like a cash grab and, and, I was at one time when I was younger, I would like call these people out a lot. <laughs> um, they got in fights mm-hmm. with a lot of CEOs over it just because, you know, it's a lot of people would charge you like $500 a month, which to a big agency is like, 
you know, nothing, but to a small, mm-hmm. small business like that, that's, that's a lot, you know, a thousand dollars a month, you know, and, and they get two blog posts and like two links and, and think that it's going to like yeah. change the world on them. Um, and then they, they don't, and it's turn and burn when it comes to those type of clients. And, and it, it does, yeah. it does, does bother me to an extent. So I'm, I'm glad like you're getting results for them. And it's like, you can get the results there if that's the, if that's the yeah. goal, but if the goal is just to suck $500 out like every month, that's, you know, yeah. I, I feel bad for those smaller businesses because they don't know. They're just like, yeah, they're, they they're, they're an expert in their, their field. They have no idea how to make their website better. And Yeah. Yeah. It, it um, sometimes it reminds me if you, if y'all have ever seen the movie, the, the Wolf of Wall Street, it's just, Sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like it's just about figuring out how to take their money and put it in my pocket uh, and not me, you know, uh, specifically, but when you're, when you're at an agency, it can be like that. And a lot of times the people actually doing the work are not the ones selling, selling the work. Uh, and yeah. because of that, there are times where there are huge, huge disconnects. Now I am, mm-hmm. um, you know, with search discovery, thank goodness, I'm a lot more involved uh, in the in the business development process. And um, not saying that that salespeople aren't ethical. I think our our uh, search discovery and Jeff, you've been here for a long time, or been were there for a long time. Um, pretty pretty ethical people, but at the same time, also you know, they're they're always working deals, and and um, I wouldn't expect them to be able to understand all of the ins and outs of everything that we do, but it's also their job to sell that type of type of work. And sometimes, um, you know, they, in, it's just, sometimes they come to you with weird situ weird situations. And there have been Mm -hmm. times here and at other places where, um, and I, I think I take this as a badge of honor. It's not that I don't want to work with people, but there are times where they bring, something to me. And I'm like, that just, I try to put myself in the shoes of the business owner uh, in some cases who has a lot of money to spend in other cases, not a lot of money to spend, or the business is failing and they're counting on SEO to save it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I try to be really honest and turn away those opportunities. If I don't feel like I can help them or if I don't feel like it makes sense. So um, I would say over the course of my my career, maybe earlier in my career, I would have said, yeah, give me their money. Uh, over the course of my career, I've definitely, um, as I've seen more and experienced more, developed a uh, a barometer, uh, an ethical barometer for for mm-hmm. the, the what's going on with the with the business owner. And if I don't think I can help them, I I, I can't ethically take their money. I won't. So. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel feel about that, but that's kind of been my recent experience. Yeah, um, ethics has become extremely important to me after working at places where I saw where it was kind of like a churn and burn with employees mm-hmm. and with clients. And just knowing that there's something wrong with that, even like I've worked at places where I was treated extremely well. <laughs> because people, my clients were happy because I was actually doing the work and it's because I already had prior experience. They would hire other people with no prior experience and then it kind of expected them to figure it out and they didn't have any business processes set up to support those like those new employees. So kind of things just didn't work out for them. And I was kind of like teacher's pet. Um, 
I have no other way to put it. But um, despite that, I still left. Like it is like you can treat me great. You can um, give me lots of bonuses. But if I see other people being mistreated and if I see our clients being mistreated, I'm not going to stay. Um, I think companies have a really hard time understanding how to keep top fi- top talent, especially when they're doing things in ways that are unethical. Uh, absolutely. And I want to caveat. I I'm not saying search search discovery is like is like that in any way. Oh, so yeah. any of my search co- discovery colleagues are listening. That is definitely not what I'm saying. We have great salespeople. They're highly yeah. ethical, uh, but they're selling a lot of different different things because that's their that's their job. And and they come to me for like, hey Jake, does this even make sense? Um, and in past places that I was at, not always the case. Yeah, I think the big, yeah. I think the bigger the agency, the the more the disconnect between sales and, and the workers, right. right? So it's, yeah. um, so being at that mid-size to smaller size, I think you, you definitely have um, the ear of the salespeople a lot more. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so Amanda, how did you get to Locomotive? Um, I got to Locomotive. Um, they were actually looking for an in-person person, but I decided that um I was talented enough and I didn't care if they were looking for someone in person or not. I was going to see what happens. Um, And um, because I live in Greenville, South Carolina, and they're based in Raleigh, North Carolina. So that's about a four hour drive away. Um, And I just knew that I was coming from a place where they, I I was getting a lot of great results without, um, without there being any processes to support me. Like I was just doing the work and teaching others how to do the work too, so that they could uh, do those things for themselves and grow their clients as well. So I was very confident in my ability. Um, and I just kind of came in and I got an offer same day. Um, wow. I, I drove up there and yeah, and I drove back home with a new job. Um, it was that quick. That's a um, good drive. <laughs> yeah, it was. That's a great oh, yeah. drive. And they were like, oh, we weren't going to ask you to drive up here if we weren't sure. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but so, um, I guess if there are, of course, there are other people that are in similar situations to what mm-hmm. you were in. What do you feel like uh, about your approach that made you um able to convince them to do it your way, so to, so to speak, to allow you to work from home when it was an in-person position. And I know like, okay, it's 2020. I think everybody's flipping their, flipping their mindset about the whole work from home thing, but there was something clearly about your approach, your style and your confidence that worked in that situation. And there are other people out there that might be facing a similar situation, uh, in 2021, as hopefully we go mm-hmm. back to traditional office environments and, um, you know, the traditional way that we used to work. So what would you recommend to people that might be facing a similar situation where they're like, Hey, I'm here. I want to work for you, but I'm all the way over here. Uh, I know yeah. that I'm good enough. You should hire me, even though I'm all the way over here. <laughs> oh, um, bring receipts for sure. If you have good results, that should be like attached with your resume. Like don't be afraid to brag about yourself because if you're doing the work and getting the results, there is no reason not to, because if someone um, at a previous job, I was a hiring manager. And if someone came in and they're like, uh, they sent their resume and a cover letter and they already attached like 
and of course, black th- block things out, whatever you have to do to protect your job and um, do whatever you need to do to protect any uh, contracts that you have with your current employment. But if you can show that you can actually get it done, then like that's that means more than anything. Like I would hire someone who's been doing it for for a five year position for um, if they've only been doing it for two years, but they had insane results over several clients. That would be way more impressive to me than someone that's just said, I've done SEO for a long time, but they can't prove anything to me. Right. Um, I've, and I think part of it was that I worked at a place where there were people who were like, I've been working in SEO since the start. And I was teaching them how to do it. And it's like, you're old enough to be my dad. <laughs> and you're telling me that you've been doing SEO forever, but I'm having to show you how to do these things. So like, there's like, a, uh, to me, like those, those are just numbers. Like the only numbers I care about are the ones in Google analytics and call rail. So, <laughs> yeah. so if you can show me those numbers, I'm impressed. So like that's, um, that's what I would go for. Just go for the, go for the kill shot immediately. I think that's a great um, a great point, and um, it's it's funny, uh, especially as I get longer in the tooth. I do tend to lean on like, hey, I've been doing this for a really really long time, and I think if you're a client or if you're somebody hiring for an in-house position, you're right. You can't just assume that because somebody's been doing it for a long time, that doesn't mean they're good. They're good. <laughs> it just means that yeah. they're yeah. they've been doing it for a long time, and and uh, yeah, doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that they're good, and you should take that with a grain of a grain of salt. Even if it's me, even if I'm trying to get hired, take it with a grain <laughs> of salt. Even if it's me or Jeff, especially right. Jeff, especially Jeff. <laughs> Although uh, Jeff, really, really quickly, uh, New York Times and Wirecutter, you guys kicked ass over Black Friday. Oh, it was uh, Black Friday. It started with uh, Prime Day, and then we've been growing crazy amounts. And, and a lot of it is just because we moved into the New York times domain um, that I feel, but I mean, we, we've set it up so that like things were, were going well. And, and now that we're officially attached to a new site, we get, we've been getting brought into a lot of holiday news yeah. <laughs> and, and black Friday stuff. And, and really like, I, I've never really played in like top stories, carousels and like things that change, you know, on an hourly basis. So, you know, it's not, all the time. Most of the time we're evergreen, but, but there's that holiday season. It's like every you know, hour we're, we're making sure that we're, you know, if we see that we dropped out of like top stories, we're updating content and we were changing things on the fly. It was, it was, it was a fun like experience my, for my first like holiday in the news world. And I, I am not an impressions guy, but I can, I can imagine kind of coming into the relationship if the, uh, if the New York Times was was Darth Vader, wire cutter, come and join me, and we'll rule the empire together. <laughs> that's that's that. As you were talking, that was just imagining in my, in my head for those nerds out there. <laughs> I think it's a uh, we're we're a little more socially conscious than Darth Vader was. So yeah, he doesn't <laughs> he didn't give a shit about anything. Ah, uh, okay, so. You're at Locomotive. Um, how did you become known I- in the industry as uh, a local SEO expert, right? So, um, and the reason I reason I ask this is we often talk about like, should you be, should you have a broad range of skills, or should you focus in any one, any develop, mm-hmm. you know, your niche in one area? And as somebody, I feel like that's kind of developed her her niche. 
what would be your perspective on what people should do and kind of how did you become known uh, for that in the industry? So um, mine is based on the type of clients I had the most experience with. And just from the very beginning when I was like uh, auditing uh, Yellow Book ads <laughs> local, uh, when I started working with those doctors at that internship to help with their websites that was still local based. Um, and then when I moved through positions and different companies I worked for, everything was local. I worked for a company where they only did marketing for car dealerships. I worked for a company where almost all of our clients were lawyers. So that kind of just everything that I did was so local faced and I, content is extremely important, but it just didn't do it for me. Um, I just, it just wasn't, I think dynamic enough um, for me. Um, So um, I preferred the more general parts of it and of SEO and then just having so much, uh, um, um, let's see, communication with Google or Google Maps support for clients and stuff like that. It just seemed to make sense to me to focus on the local part of it. Um, and I like that local is still kind of like the Wild West. Like there's not like, I mean, SEO is, is in general, but <laughs> but parts of local yeah. is just really just like, uh, just throw something at the wall and see if it sticks because like no one really knows just to what extent th- things are going to actually work and what's going on with it um, and getting like the things done to like reporting spam and actually getting it removed. I had a client. Oh, I'm so proud of myself for this. They had, I found like 10 competitors with spam names and I got nine out of 10 fixed by Google. I was like okay. extremely stoked Jeez. about that. Yeah. That's like a, <laughs> That's like something that usually takes uh, other SEOs literally a lifetime to get that many responses from from the Googs. Yeah, and it was like almost immediate. Wow. Like most of them happened like within an hour of me reporting though. Holy crap. So, yeah. <laughs> right. It's just like just figuring it out. Like sometimes I feel like I'm a task rabbit for someone who's on the phone with, on the phone with AT&T support. Just like trying to get Google to respond to me. <laughs> like I'm just waiting in line for someone else. Um, but other times it, it can be really rewarding because of how difficult it is to get uh, responses to things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, that's kind of how I, just because everything I did was so local focused, I think I could have either gone local or content. But I just like uh, a lot of the dynamic parts of local, and that's what kind of forced me into that direction. Um, how I really started making a name for myself is that um, I work with a really, really talented technical um, SEO. He's the senior technical director at Locomotive, um, J.R. Oaks. And when I interviewed, he said, you need to get on Twitter. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm avoiding Twitter because, like, I don't – I don't want all of the negative things that come along with being a woman on Twitter and being vocal. Um, but um, I decided to do it anyway. And like my speaking engagements, the network I've built all because I followed that advice and got on Twitter. Um, so yeah, he's helped me out a lot with just that one thing. Like, never mind all the things that he's taught me while working at Locomotive, yeah. but yeah. just like, yeah, he helped me out a lot by just making that one recommendation during my interview that I took to heart and actually did that same day. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, 
JR, man, he's super, well, page two podcast alum. Um, we're just, we're making our way through the, through the industry. JR is one of the nicest people I think we've yep. ever talked to. Yeah. But also like I, he might be one of the one, if I had to line up all of our guests and say, here's a, here's rankings in terms of like level of smarts, he might be, I mean, he's building his own internet. Um, he might yeah. be the s- smartest. Um, and, and again, that's like, there's no s- scientific way to measure that other than what I see him posting. And every time I see him post, it's major imposter syndrome yeah. on my part, because I'm like, I can't mm-hmm. build my own he's, internet. I don't know how. <laughs> he's one of my favorite people. Yeah. Really, oh yeah, for really sure. Nice guy. So. Oh yeah. He's taught me. I can't even begin to explain how much he's taught me and has helped me <laughs> grow and I can't begin to explain how huge of a compliment it is when he says that I did something extremely well, or he talks like talks me up in front of people. Like I'm like, oh my goodness, Jr. thinks I'm smart. Like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that sounds like a T-shirt that should be made. <laughs> and Marty's a good dude too. So it's oh yeah, he's great, extremely supportive. Like yeah. He's a great boss. I'm very, very grateful to be at Locomotive. It is the best agency I've ever worked at. Um, And we have just great processes. Like, we know what we're doing. We hire well. Like, it's it's just, like, I don't know, completely different from anywhere else I worked. It's what I expected an SEO agency to be like from the beginning, but it's the first time I've been somewhere where they actually, like, cared enough to do those things. I've interviewed there. I didn't pass the test. Didn't make the cut, Jeff. JR JR didn't say I was smart enough. (laughs) Oh, no. He's, oh, yeah. I mean, if I was, I could not be a technical SEO. Like, I'm not a technical SEO. Yeah. I think it would have been a lot different if I came in as a technical, but with local being my niche, it helps a bit too. Oh, yeah. That's another thing if you're finding your niche. Um, If you're not like completely into a, specific niche do not call yourself that thing um i don't think yeah if you're not really a technical seo do not call yourself a technical seo that is a quick way to get found out during an interview or any other process or like even if you just you already work there and you're like oh i know about these things and you're helping um (laughs) sometimes you're not (laughs) sometimes you're just kind of causing a bit of a mess yeah, there's a certain segment of the industry that I've run up against that is very fake it until you make it, and I am I am not one of the one of those people. And I will say, I agree. Like, if you try to say you're something you're not, you're going to get called to the carpet. You might last for a little bit, but you're eventually going to mm-hmm. get, get called to the carpet and be found found out. And maybe uh, you know, maybe that's where a lot of uh, in, the imposter syndrome, which is very prevalent in the industry, uh, comes from because we eat our own young. We do, uh, yeah. It, especially SEO Twitter. That's a that's a crazy crazy place. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I, I, I want to uh, move on in, in just a second to the core, uh, mm-hmm. core episode topic, uh, which we're going to talk about the news. Um, but I did, uh, you know, want to make sure we make mention of a, of a couple of things. So I want to talk about uh, diversity and representation. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'd love, you know, if you could provide kind of a, you know, maybe a little bit of behind the scenes perspective with what you guys are doing at United Search. And I know you're also big into uh, the Women in Tech SEO uh, group, which is doing amazing, amazing things. I know you've got a session coming up if you want to plug that. Yep. So- 
let's talk a little bit about about that before we move into the news. Sure. So um, I do not see myself in this industry at all. (laughs) Um, I think what's helped me is being uh, adaptable and flexible. Um, and that shouldn't be necessary. And that's part one of the things that we're trying to work with in the United Search is like, we shouldn't have to be so adaptable and flexible because we're not white straight males. Um, we should be able to find a voice in the industry and be considered for um, speaking engagements and have ideas heard just as much as anyone else's. And especially if we've, there's been people who've applied to um, our uh program that have been doing SEO for like seven years and they've never spoken and to me that is a like tragedy because this is someone who wants to speak who is knowledgeable who showed us that they can get results like that's part of our uh, process to even be considered and they haven't had an opportunity to speak yet and I feel like that's a crime like shame on our industry for letting that happen because this is someone who knows things that we probably don't know. There, anyone who's been in the industry for a while knows something that I don't know. Um, and I would love to learn from that person. I want to make sure that all of those voices get heard. So we're just trying to um, make a place for people who haven't had opportunities to speak in the past, who have our hands-on SEOs, who have actual experience doing the work, giving them a place in a platform so they can get the mentorship so they can understand how to build their brand and so that they can speak publicly and be considered for um, other engagements with uh, conferences and stuff in the future. And we have the goal of also keeping um, these conferences engagements accountable. We're making sure that they are being diverse. Like if it's great to say that you support what we're doing, but it's a whole nother thing to actually uh, actively choose people of color and um, women and LGBTQIA plus community members and people over 55 and uh, parents and people with disabilities to speak at your conferences. Like there's, there's two different, those are completely two completely different things. Like I don't want to see a black life, black lives matter, black profile square on your page. I want you to do something about it. And, and um, you know, I find it ironic that, um, you know, and we do, we talk about this uh, a lot. And I would say in the first season, it was something that, because uh, I was uh, solo, it was something that I felt very important about, but I was, mm-hmm. um, it was more behind the scenes, right? I didn't, didn't talk about it. In season two, mm-hmm. when Jeff came on, it was definitely something, again, that was very important to us, diversity and balance, uh, making sure that we heard from a lot of different voices. But again, not something that we talked about um, <clears throat> a lot until maybe the end of the end of season two. But in season three, like I'm just, I sort of feel like it's um, it's it's to a point like where you're right. Um, we can support it silently behind the scenes, uh, or we can actually talk about it and attempt to in attempt to do something uh definitely obviously haven't done as as much as as you've done and i i am finding it ironic that as we're talking about it jeff and i are two uh you know white white (laughs) middle-aged males uh talking about this so as uh the the representatives for that group of people what can and and especially like Jeff and I are not confrontational. So like, mm-hmm. um, 
what can we do or what can people like us do uh, to make sure that there is more representation in diversity? Yeah. So like, um, I understand the not being confrontational. I'm married to a middle-aged white man who is not <laughs> confrontational, um, but he married me. So he's learning to be confrontational because I am. And we have like a, a son who doesn't have a choice but to be confrontational in his very existence. So that's how I think of it. And I want other people to think of it too. My existence in itself is confrontational to some people. Like I don't have to do anything. I don't have to say anything. Just the fact that my skin is a certain color and that I pee a certain way is enough for some people to consider me confrontational. Um, and uh, to me, that is like one of the biggest signs of privilege is that you don't have to, uh, mm -hmm. that you don't feel any type of um, threat from your existence in itself. <laughs> because insane. like we do. Um, and I think the best thing that you can do is call out other people like you that you see doing things and saying things that they shouldn't be. Um, it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to be called someone who is like, I don't know, fake woke or whatever. I don't like, to me, those labels mean nothing. Like uh, being called fake woke is nothing compared to like what it, you're being called if you're a Muslim in this country or a woman in this country, or like, if that's all they can, if that's all they can throw at you, then like, I don't know if we're allowed to curse right. in this podcast, but sure, <laughs> fuck them like fuck them i really don't exactly. know. uh there are very few people that actually care about the opinions that they have and those are people that love me so if they're not someone that's close to me i don't give two shits what they think about what i say or what i do yeah. so that's how i like i don't know how to not be confrontational in other words i'm sorry i don't have any advice for you because i have no problem getting in someone's face if they're being in like incorrect if they're factually incorrect in their views and their ethics then I have no problem telling them that and I'm raising my son to be the same way like he's he knows right from wrong and he's okay to tell someone when they're wrong um he's he's not afraid of that and I hope more people grow up with the courage to do that and call people out on their bullshit because they need it mm -hmm. that's the only way things get better yeah you hear that Jeff Yes. You got to start being more confrontational. No, I'm, just, I'm being totally facetious. I, I also, uh, you know, it's definitely, yeah. I, t I tend to stay away from, especially on Twitter and SEO Twitter, because mm -hmm. that's, I feel yeah. like the main place where SEOs tend to tend to communicate. Um, I tend to stay away from any level of any level of, of, of drama. And I know that there are certainly other people that don't. Um, so I, mm -hmm. I know that when I see things happening, um, you know, I think it's at some point I'm going to need to say, say something and step up to the, yeah. to the plate. If I want to be a part of the the solution, I will say um, it's really sad. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's a sad state of affairs that, um, and again, I, I don't have a great point of reference because I'd, I'd choose what I, you know, I wasn't a baby, you know, picking my, my, my skin yeah. color or where I was born or anything. I didn't get to pick my parents. None of us do. Yeah. Um, so I don't have a great point of reference because I never had that experience. So like, it's a little mm -hmm. shocking to me when I hear, like, I feel threatened every day just because I pee a different way. And by the way, first time we've ever talked about peeing on this show. So congratulations. Um, <laughs> yes. and also the cut, also the color of my skin. Um, I just can't imagine going through life 
with with that, in addition to every other thing being a woman, every other thing being, uh, you know, uh, being gay, uh, gay, uh, transgender, all of those other things, I can't imagine going through life with that hanging, hanging over, hanging over you. So um, I, gosh, I, I don't even know what to say other than I'm really, really sorry that, that you know, you have to, to go through that and people aren't quote unquote woke. Uh, that's the first time I've ever, <laughs> ever used that word uh, enough to understand how to treat people. What I can say is I personally, of course, there's, there's things that every one of us can, can do. What I try mm-hmm. to do especially is, and I think that this is the only way, in my opinion, that it gets better. And I think it's still going to take a long time is I think it has to be systematically better, uh, systematically yes. better in terms of the way people are raising their children. Uh, and mm-hmm. this will happen over the course of generations. And I don't think it'll get better quickly, but hopefully if enough people take it seriously enough, I know, uh, you know, with, with my kids, we absolutely many, 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 many times have had the conversation with them. Skin color does not matter. They're still your, they're mm-hmm. still your, it does not matter. It, it, but there are people in the world that think it does. Um, and mm-hmm. we've had other conversations uh, similar to that. Um, my brother, my brother is is gay, uh, and of course, being somebody that comes from rural Ohio, you can about imagine how that went over in my in my family. And yeah, you know, we're at the we're at the point where um, my son is because my brother has a boyfriend. My son. Uh, you know, they're, they're starting to be around each other more and we're having to kind of address like, Hey, um, why are two boys holding, holding hands Um, as an Mm -hmm. example, because like, you know, when you're growing up in society, like that's quote unquote, not the, not the norm. And we're as parents trying to normalize that for him and explain it is okay. Nobody, Mm -hmm. you know, nobody when they're born says, and okay, and, and I'm sure people are going to come at me now, like, but when you're born, it's not like, all right, I choose to be gay, I choose to be straight, whatever, mm-hmm. are what you are, at least that's my opinion, yeah. like, you don't make it, it's just you're born, and you are what you are, uh, and you didn't make a choice, um, so, like, we're trying to really normalize those types of things, it is okay uh, for two men to be together, two women to be, whatever, um, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it is okay for a person to have a different color skin or different belief systems, and you shouldn't look down upon them in any way because of any of that. So that's the other place yeah. where I feel like I silently do my part, but it, but it's going to take more people parenting like that and, mm-hmm. and vicious cycles that have been happening in this country for years and years and years to be broken, um, and that's probably the best way I can s- describe what, what, where I think the situation needs to, needs to go at a systematic level. Anyways. Yeah. yeah I feel that, um, I mean, since my move to, to you know, working under the New York times, um, you know, corporation, uh, like my first time ever working for like a woke, woke company. Right. Woke. So it's very, um, it, it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, I mean, it's very it, they practice what they preach. So that's what's uh, one of the good things that, that I like about it internally. Um, and, and, you know, we have hugely diverse teams in there, which is awesome. So um, I also like that they're starting to open up to remote a little bit more. So like we have a, a big remote team too. Um, and, and, but in, in general, you know, being in the situations that I'm in, like um, just had someone on my team, you know, 
uh, come out and, and, you know, they're trans now. And it's, I guess they always were, but it's, you know, official, the, the transformation is mm-hmm. it's taking place. And, and I'm very like, you know, it, never had a teammate that, that before. So I feel like it's, and again, it's great. Like we meet and, and are at some talks and just like, Hey, if I mess up, it's because I'm like, this is new. <laughs> um, but at the same time, we're really like great and, and, and really, you know, focus on diversity a lot at the company mm-hmm. um, where I've been to a lot of companies where it wasn't, it's the good old boy network. They're not like into any mm-hmm. other things besides people that are like themselves. And, and you know, it's uncomfortable. Um, so it I really feel like it's one of those where it's like, I feel like I'm in a, in a way more comfortable company. So, so uh, we are, we, we got and that was great conversation. Um, absolutely. A conversation that, that should have been had. Um, we're, I want to ma- make sure that we're uh, maintaining sensitivity to time. Uh, so yep. I want to jump into the news. And quite honestly, I think this is going to be some pretty fruitful conversation. So I think we're just going to skip through the Twitter questions this week. We'll get, uh, we'll pick those back up next week. Uh, let's talk about the news because there is definitely some news yeah. to talk about. And I definitely want to yell about some things. <laughs> <laughs> so Google just, <laughs> just announced um, uh, the December um, core update to their algorithm, uh, which, you know, they've been putting, they were going like every quarter for a while. And then, um, they haven't updated one since September. No, um, sorry, May. Um, so seven years ago or seven months ago, I'm all over the place now. Um, so they haven't had, had an update since then. Um, and if we went on their other schedules, like usually it would be January and Google has actually come out and said like, they'll never do a major upgrade during the holidays, um, which, you know, I think some people have thrown in their face right now. And the other end of that, I, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of, I think there's a lot of companies out there that may have gotten hit in May and are looking for an update to help them with this holiday season. Um, I don't, I don't think Google can win either way with these, but um, in, in general, I, I haven't, heard much about it. I was just on um, search engine roundtable trying to gather some information on whether like people have seen like spikes or drops. It seems kind of even. I do see so, a lot of people, you know, people who lose are going to complain the most. Um, so, uh, but it, from what I understand, it's only affecting mobile search right now. So, um, or, or, you know, it's, it's, that's where it's affecting it the most. Um, so we'll see. I don't know if it has anything to do with, uh, like page speeds or or just usability scores of the of the site itself. Um, I think we're still trying to understand what this is about. Amanda, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go first on this one because I'm I got some thoughts. And then shoot, go. <laughs> oh, okay. So, broad core algorithm update in the middle of fucking December, like. In 2020, Google, like literally, are you kidding me? Like, okay, and I get it, right? That's the that's the reaction I I should be having, um, and or, or that most SEOs think that I should be having. And honestly, when when I heard this news, I was like, what a what a kick in the teeth. Now, for me, I don't as an SEO tend to focus too much on broad core algorithm updates because results, you know, go up, they go down, they stay the same. A lot of that doesn't necessarily change what I'm trying to strategically accomplish. And if, if I've had an issue and it's impacted by one of these updates, there's a good chance uh, that I know what, 
what the issue is or that I was aware of it, that my clients are aware of it, and they just haven't prioritized the, the, the fix. If we do well, that's great because we're, you know, we're practicing ethical strategies. Uh, and I will say, I do want to get into just a few points that Google made. Google, when they released this post, this was actually one of their better posts in terms of providing tidbits on what you can do. I don't want to do that just yet because I, I just don't understand. And this is the thing that I'm having the hardest time with. It's 2020. Businesses are struggling. And a broad core algorithm update is going to impact a lot of businesses negatively. And Google says, oh, there's nothing wrong. And they even say it. There's nothing wrong with pages that may perform less well in a core update. Okay. Well, you Google also talk a lot about your money, your life, right? Uh, people's money. Well, you're fucking with people's money right now. And guess who, guess who runs these websites, these big websites that tank uh, during core algorithm updates, people who have jobs who now in the two week or three week run, or okay, I'm sorry, four week run up into Christmas are going to be a lot less secure in their jobs because you probably for many, many websites just completely tanked their year. You couldn't wait until January. Like, what was so pressing that you needed to slip in a broad core algorithm update in fricking December in 2020 COVID? Like why? I just, that's the part of me that I don't fucking get. And I'm sorry, I'm swearing. I don't get it. Like that's, that's incredibly unethical. And there are, there are people at Google that like, I love John Mueller. That dude seems like a great human. Martin uh, seems like a great human. Gary seems like a really nice guy. Uh, but there are times where it seems like as an organization, there are just some evil, evil things like some evil empire shit that that's just going on. Yeah. I, I take, take, I'll take the devil's advocate here and Go say, ahead. what, what if I am a, a, a good company who's doing amazing things and I have a warehouse full of products and there's a bunch of spammers that are ahead of me in certs that are affecting mine. And, um, you know, I think there's, it comes down to if you're doing things properly and you're not like being tricky and you're not trying to spam, you know, I, I've really very rarely have had a negative impact from any of these updates. It seems that where it comes down to is, uh, the people who are, trying to cheat the system a little bit are the ones that get affected. They're the ones that are the most vocal. There are a lot of the SEO Twitters <laughs> um, and, and, it, and it gets loud. So I think you look at it as a negative aspect, but I look at it as these companies that are really working hard are actually going to probably see benefits now instead of losing traffic, they'll be gaining traffic. Now with that said, there's always those people who slip through, but you, you always have like the JC pennies of the world, which you think is a great company. Then they get called out for spamming all during the holidays and, and destroying the SERPs. And then they, you know, they get banned from Google, but it was after the fact they already made all their money off the holiday. So, I mean, not the JC pennies is a great example, but that was one of the ones where I remember they just did some nasty, you know, black hat stuff and got away with it. And the only way they, the reason they didn't get away with it is because, Forget it. It might have been New York Times, but I forget which newspaper came out and actually ran an article about SEO and spam and kind of made like one as an SEO. I was like, wow, we're like a big time in the news. But it was uh, more of, I think it was Little Black Dresses or something like that, where JCPenney was just crushing it. And it was all because of their backlink schemes that they did. Damn it, Jeff. You did the good cop, bad cop routine on me. <laughs> How dare you come at me with a yeah. well-reasoned No, argument. Bing. I Bing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah. 
Um, well, I will say in their post, so I was talking uh, a little bit about this, the, the post that they wrote. Uh, a lot of the, the posts that come across from a webmaster standpoint are, um, they're just vague, right? But this post actually, like it goes uh, into in detail, you know, with the types of questions that you should be posing to yourself, uh, focus on content quality, focus on your, your expertise, how are you presenting the content? Does it have a lot of spelling errors? And I think the biggest one, yep. my best, the thing that I liked most, the single sentence uh, that I liked most of the entire thing and the advice that I always give to my clients and that I'm glad to see Google reinforcing it, does the content provide substantial value when compared to other pages in search results? Yeah. That's like the number one, when I'm designing a content strategy and trying to tell people like, no, you can't just produce 20, 200 word articles and expect to rank for this particular query. Like there's a reason Google is rewarding these sites and we have to figure it out. Yep. And not only that, we don't just have to figure it out in terms of what are they doing to rank well uh, and, and hitting that as a floor, we got to figure out how to do it better than they are. So that's the, that's the, the one point, like if you take away nothing else is your content doing, doing that. Have you but, been on wire? Have you been on wire cutter site? I'm sure we, their content's amazing. We have a hundred editors. <laughs> so yeah, it isn't, it, it, it's, oh, wow. it's, to, it's to the point where we, we sometimes are like, maybe we could scale this 10,000 word review back a little bit. Like we, the issue, like not the issue, like we'll do headphone reviews and we, literally review 30, 40 different types of headphones and all that information's in the review. So our, our reviews are, are super in depth. Um, and we don't make you read through it all. If you don't want, we start off with, this is what we pick. This is the one you should go with. And then the rest of the, the, the article is about like why. And, and I think that that's the one of the mo most amazing things like coming here with, um, was that I, the contents, I'm a technical SEO, but seeing how sophisticated the content side is and how like people are in love, like, content writers that are in love with content writing. Um, and, and Amanda, I know you come from content background, right? So it's one of those things mm -hmm. where content is, you know, they say content's king, but it's like mm -hmm. just content for content sakes, not right. You, you really need yeah. to have something that's, that's, that's providing substantial, you know, mm -hmm. information to, to the customers. How much does content weigh in on the local side of things? It's um, extremely important, but I see a lot of local SEOs um, not paying much attention to it. Um, the quality of the content on your website for local is extremely important, especially your landing pages and whatever page is linking, um, your Google My Business listing is linking to. Extremely important. I treat those as if they are a combination of a content-heavy page and a conversion uh, page. So, like they are like to me the end all be all if there's one page on the website that I want to have like as perfect as possible, that would be it. But I also want to make sure that I have relevant local content linking to those pages from other pages on the website. So then you have content to support those pages and that needs to be relevant content too. That's specific to local. That's um, makes sense. It's things that people are actually searching for <laughs> and things like that to link back to those, um, um, location landing pages that you're building for your specific Google My Business listing. Yeah, those were the ones I always had trouble getting my clients to do, um, especially in the e-com. Like I'd be working with the e-commerce team of a 
company that had, you know, 300 retail stores. So trying to get them to, to update that content, they were just like, well, we're, yeah. e- we're e-commerce focused. We're not local focused. And um, I'm like, you know, yeah. well, one website here, but that's, it's was yeah. always a page that was hard to get because I don't know a lot of that local content, right? It's mm-hmm. if I'm selling, if I'm selling brake parts, like, Break parts in LA and break parks in New York, you know, and, and going that way, it was always hard to to try to get some of that content. And I would always try to have the teams hook up to local stores and maybe have like mm-hmm. a, a form where that local store manager could fill out so I can get some of that local information. Um, maybe yeah. that, but th- those were, it's a tough, tough business there. <laughs> it definitely is, especially with uh, businesses that have hundred plus locations because they want to use the same content over and over again and just change the city and state. And that is not going to. Definitely. I've, then that was always the issue where I didn't want to just say the same thing over and over. I wanted to put some of that local flair into it. Um, And, and without, you know, it's also tough when you're, you're a really big chain and you have six locations in the same, you know, like in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. right. There's, 500 Chick-fil-A's in Atlanta, probably, uh, you know, how do we like get each one of those of their local presence, um, without getting like really detailed about maybe like locations and cross streets and things like that. So I, I would love to cover the core web vitals stuff, but, and it's totally my fault. Uh, we're, I, I took us off track and also we're, we're running up against a, a hard stop. So we want to make sure we send Amanda on her way and finish up the episode. So what we're going to do is we are going to move the Twitter questions to next week. Uh, and uh, we are going to move the Core Web Vitals discussion. So if you don't know, uh, uh, Google released some more information on Core Web Vitals. There's a post up on Search Engine Roundtable about it with a lot of FAQs. I highly suggest that you read them. Probably the most important one coming out of it uh, is the uh, the announcement that it, at least initially, is only going to affect mobile results. Now, what I've told my clients is just because it's only impacting mobile doesn't mean you should take it less seriously because more than likely more than 50% of your traffic uh, comes from mobile. And if you're a client who has received this communication, who then has to take it up to up the chain to justify things like site speed, uh, getting into the, the development queue uh, before May, maybe leave that out that it's just mobile. Uh, otherwise, people might tend to say, all right, it's not that important, right? Uh, but it really is. Okay, so Amanda, to... And every episode, we always like to ask uh, if somebody were getting into the industry today, now, God bless them if they're picking 2020 to get into the SEO industry. But (laughs) that being said, if somebody were getting into the industry today, what advice would you give them? Do what you can to get actual results as quick as possible. So you have something to show Um, that could be with your own website. That could be finding a small business to work with just to get your foot in the door and get some results. And also um, go ahead and get on Twitter too. Um, Yes, it is a clusterfuck um, and it is like a mess, but it's also a really good resource to meet some really good people and network and get your foot in the door for speaking engagements and things like that too. And once you have gotten some experience and you're ready to do some public speaking, come find us at United Search. 
Yeah, and I would say uh, we would not have been able to connect uh, with all of the guests that we've had on our podcast, which has just been an outstandingly amazing list of people without Twitter. So for all of the ills of SEO Twitter, and uh, believe me, there are plenty uh, plenty of times where I'd rather just not be not be reading the stuff that's on there. Um, it is an amazing place, at least now. I don't know, you know, five years from now, if, if Twitter is still going to be the place where SEOs connect. But right now, that is where a lot of SEOs uh, seem to be connecting. And it is, for us, been a great way to meet a lot of people as a way to ask them to come on our podcast. And if you're new to the industry, absolutely follow that advice. Uh, so, Amanda, where can people find you? I am on Twitter at Amanda T. Jordan. Um that's probably the best place to find me. I'm always tweeting. Um, <laughs> and I have, a, yeah, so come find me on Twitter. We can talk about SEO stuff or video games, either one. Or video games. Nice. Bring bring all the Mario, the Mario references. Uh, that is still my favorite game. Still holds up over the test of time <laughs> 40 years later. It does. I don't know. I just bought an Oculus, so we'll find out. Oh, cool. Is that the, is that the VR? Yeah. We okay. got it. Well, the kids right. don't know yet, but. I bought it for me, but for the <laughs> they kids, don't listen you know. to the podcast, do they? No, Good. though right. they, though they look at our numbers on YouTube because my daughter's YouTube channel like, why are they so is beating us? And she's of 10. course they are. Congratulations! <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. All right, Amanda, thank you so much for uh, joining us. This was a great conversation, and for those of uh, uh, you that are listening, have a good week. We record on Fridays, so we are heading into the weekend. But for those of yep. you that are listening, uh, we turn our editing around very, very quickly. Uh, so this episode will be live on Monday. So have a hell of a week, uh, and uh, go get it. I know this is if you're at an agency, the busy season, so try not to go crazy. Yeah. You're very close to your PTO. Just got to knock out a few more days and you're almost there. So, uh, yeah, everybody have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to the Page Two Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to new episodes, visit us at page2podcast.fm. That's page, the number two, podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Breaker, Deezer, Overcast, CastBox, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Additionally, you can also listen and watch our show on our YouTube channel or follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. If you'd like to get in touch with us, contact us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time... Happy optimizing.